It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck, along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and today we are here to talk about the Talladega Super Speedway playoff race, where Jordan, you are currently at. Uh, looked like you had some nice weather, no silly rain delays or moving start times or any of that worries <laughs> this week. Just worry about racing. And uh, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but I thought it was it was pretty darn good. It was a really good Talladega race. I think this was. It's really hard to, to quibble with what transpired today. And it was really nice also to be at a NASCAR race and not have to worry about weather. I'm actually trying to remember the last time I've had a race where there wasn't weather impacted or the threat of rain or anything like that. So it was good. I, I thought this was a, a really a good day all around. You had your typical Talladega, you know, three wide racing. Guys could make moves, but there wasn't a lot of big crashes. I mean, we had a couple crashes and stuff, but nothing – you know, nothing where you're like, oh, man, why is this going down this road? We didn't have the, you know, the overtimes or anything like that. Um, this, I felt like, was about what you want out of Talladega, that you got it today. Yeah, I mean, like, if you buy a ticket for Talladega, you want to go there and hope for pack racing in some form, right? You don't want to see the single file, which obviously there was not today. I don't and think there's all- one moment today at all where they ran single file. Not even close. And honestly... There was very few moments where they even were running double file, like the, yeah. the sort of the double file. We're stuck in two lines. We can't do anything. It'd become the new single file of this car, right? Like just two lines going around. But then, you know, at the at the end of that Daytona race um, in August, they kind of figured it out. And it was like, oh, wait, they can go three wide now. And it got it got better and more compelling. Um, and just I mean, from lap five today it was three wide and, and I mean, they were just in a pack the entire time, just three wide. It felt like for, for the majority of the race. Um, so you have that going for you. Um, you know, the, the playoff atmosphere, you don't know what's going to happen. You've got stuff happening to playoff contenders. Sure. You have the wrecks. There was enough, you know, action. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, it never got close to like the, Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. You didn't have the multiple overtimes of craziness, um, and all those things like that. So we do have a little bit of breaking news here as we've just started this podcast though. Breaking um, news. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, I know you don't know this yet cause it's just hitting Twitter seconds ago. Kevin Harvick has been disqualified. Yes. Kevin Harvick disqualified. Um, unfortunately, despite, uh, the, um, finishing, uh, getting a near win, he, uh, the, the windshield fasteners were not secure, um, and, uh, that disqualified him. So Kevin Harvick will finish last. Uh, I think Ross Chastain, I don't know if that's an extra point for Ross Chastain. Every move up all the other playoff drivers, one slot. Can you imagine if Harvick would have won today, which probably would have very likely been his last cup series win and all of the celebration and and grandiose hoopla that that would have entailed they'd still be out there celebrating probably and that car got dq'd wow i i mean oh no oh you're gonna go that no, way no, no, you're, gonna no, say no. It. you're gonna say it i know what you're gonna say i'm not i'm not saying nascar wouldn't have done it but that would have been a very 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 <laughs> very tough DQ for NASCAR to it, to to DQ the winner Kevin Harvick in his last win that that might have been especially and it would have bumped Blaney and it would have it would have changed the playoff outcome right you're right because if Harvick wins that race and it's like oh Blaney's not, Blaney did not advance 
Yeah, not all a bad, yo. All of a sudden that, oh man. Boy, that would have, ooh, boy, jeez. Oh, the, uh, the person in me who loves chaos and just loves like just complete, utter, just mayhem kind of wishes he could have seen this today. <laughs> wow. That is, um, oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad this happened early in the podcast as opposed to the Pocono uh, podcast where we, you know, uh, a couple years or a couple years ago, yeah, where we we talked about Denny Hamlin for half at winning, and then he got skewed in the middle of it. But uh, DQ hey, in the middle of it. Made for great so. content, man. <laughs> I guess. So anyway, that that is a thing. But so let's let's talk about Kevin Harvick though, because before we just found this out, it was like, oh my gosh, here's another chance for him. Another, I mean, that would have been an unbelievably popular moment. Um, a huge, just, I mean, and there's, you know, it's been so many close, it feels like so many close calls this year where you're just like, oh, is this the day? And it doesn't happen. Um, now we know that it wouldn't happen at all this way, but, um, you know, it looked like he had the push. It looked like to me, you know, you asked Ryan Blaney this question, in the press conference afterwards, would have things have turned out differently if Blaney, if, if Harvick still had the push from Riley Herbst. Because they each had a pusher. William Byron uh, was pushing Blaney on the bottom. Harvick was being pushed by Herbst. Then Herbst and Corey LaJoy get into it. Um, Herbst gets turned. And all of a sudden, Harvick has no help behind him at all. And he's left out on his own with no pusher. And he can't really do anything. And, um, you know, he loses by this much to Blaney. Um, Windshield fasteners aside. Um, So... You know, I I don't know that. I, I guess I guess maybe it sort of takes some of the sting out of it for fans, knowing that it wasn't legal anyway, and so this all would have been taken away, like you said. But uh, man, it was it was close to like NASCAR can just never seem to have that. Uh, like it had, at least it hasn't happened in a while. Like sort of like the cathartic moment of just this in hundred percent popular win where everybody just so enthused of like, I can't believe this just happened. This is so amazing. Wow. Like what a feel good story. You get some here and there, but not like an overwhelming moment like this would have been. It would have been cool. It would have been great to see. Cause I mean, it's always nice to see guys go out in a special way. And you always think back to Jeff Gordon in 2015, getting that Martinsville win and getting, you know, having at least one shot at winning a final championship um, Harvick obviously wasn't going to get that chance to win a championship, but he would have been able to go out on a high note. And I, and I kept thinking about what Rodney Childers told me on pit road, uh, when I talked to him at Darlington after the race, uh, as the laps were kind of winding down and it looked like Harvick might have a shot at this was he didn't care about playoff runs. He didn't care about points. He didn't care about getting to the championship four. the goal for this team, like the only goal for this team was to win a race. They, to send Harvick off on a high note and get him in back in victory lane and let him celebrate one final time. And I just kind of kept thinking about that. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't happen today. And the reality is, is if you're looking ahead at the schedule a little bit, I, I think the only shot they have is Phoenix, honestly. I'm not saying they, 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 they maybe they have speed. I mean, maybe something happens. We don't know. I mean, not putting it past these guys, but realistically, based on their form that they've seen this year, um, they almost won Phoenix in the spring. Had it not been for the caution, they probably would have. Um, but if that doesn't happen, I, this might be it. This this might have been the last best shot to get victory lane. Sorry, this is a little bit all over the place as this has sort of thrown a wrench into our in our podcast here. But now Bob Pockris has raised a good point on Twitter as this is live happening. When a driver is DQ'd, he says the stage results are also going to change. change. Yep. So we're going to be talking about the points on this podcast of who's above the cut line, things like that. It may be adjusted by a couple here and there. Um, so these numbers that we're going to throw out about the playoff drivers, um, they may need need to be changed or, or not exactly uh, accurate as uh, Harvick will be moved down from whatever playoff points or uh, stage points he got. And I can't remember, I can't exactly recall where he was in the stages. He only earned three stage points today. One, two, three. And that was in stage one. Stage two, he did not finish anywhere uh, in the top 10. Stage one, though, he finished nine, uh, 10, nine. He finished eighth in stage one. 
Okay, so somebody who was 11th, whoever was 11th in stage one mm -hmm. would get bumped up, um, and then the other people there would get bumped up one as well. Yeah, so right behind Harvick in stage one are Joy Logano and Ryan Priest finishing 9th and 10th, so obviously no impact there. Let me look really quick and see who finished 11th. How, will you, how would you know who finished 11th in stage one? You have that? I mean, I, I can, you know, I'm resourceful. I'm, I'm resourceful. I don't think you can come up with that. That's what I'm going to say. Why do you always doubt me? I just, how, that seems like a stat that nobody would have. How would you, how would you even have that? Why do you just doubt me? I mean, I would never write down, oh, and here's the guy who finished 11th in case somebody gets disqualified. And I mean, I, I good for you if you have it, but um, I don't have it certainly. So anyway, we'll see. We'll uh, pending yeah. uh, what? Oh, I thought you had oh, no, it. Keep going. I can keep going. Okay. I'm, I'm looking. Anyway. All right. Let's try to get back on track here from this uh, unexpected news. <laughs> By the way, poor, geez, SHR, man. Um, even when yeah, some, uh, even when they have like a, something positive happen, it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, they were doing a little something, something to the, the car there. So, uh, you know, and, and I mean, I, you know, it, it didn't really affect things, I guess you don't really know, but, um, does that mean it was just the the four car or like did you know, priest finished ninth? He's not going to get inspected obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know. Did the other cars have this thing? Was this just one? Who, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, unfortunate. Um, anyway, I, this is really, really throwing me off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I guess going back to the original point, uh, Talladega was great. Uh, and now we know that Ryan Blaney uh, is continuing to establish himself as a great there because he has won for the third time. One third of his career victories yeah, have come yeah. at Talladega now. All in close mm -hmm. uh, races. This is his um, yep. second multi-win season. And he's through to the round of eight. Now, here's the thing about Blaney. And this is something that I kind of scoffed at, like when Dale Jr. would say this on his podcast. Like, hey, you know, I think Ryan Blaney could still be like a championship type guy or final four type guy this year. Um, and if he gets to Phoenix, you know, watch out. And I'm like, ah, they're just not running well enough. Look at their top fives. They only had four top fives coming into today. Now they have five top fives and two of them are wins, but it's like, hold on a second here. This round, remember we, we talked about this, this round is, is perfect for Blaney because he wants to be able to take advantage of not, you know, being able to, you know, he, he needs, he needed a, a win like this, right. Or, or the Roval. Um, and so now he's through, okay, well the first two races of the next round are at mile and a half tracks where he won the Coca-Cola 600. So mm -hmm. it's not like they don't have speed, at all in an mm -hmm. intermediate. He did go out and do that. So it's, it's possible. And then Martinsville, um, you know, he, he's, he's, let, he's, he's led a lot of laps there and has come very, very close to winning there. Yes. Nine straight finishes. I looked up of 11th or better at Martinsville nine straight. Um, and then, okay. So let's say he, he did make it out or he was able to win one of these races, which he, he might have to do. Cause I'm not sure, you know, sort of with his lack of playoff points that he can outpoint those guys. Um, ahead of him, but let's just say he's able to win somewhere, um, get to the final four. Uh-oh. Like if you're, if you're, uh, another, you know, like a, a Denny Hamlin or William Byron or whatever, I don't think you want Blaney at Phoenix. I don't think you want him in the mix because he's finished second in the last two Phoenix races. You remember mm -hmm. last year, um, mm -hmm. you know, could he have passed Joey Logano? Um, you know, he was maybe told to stay behind and, you know, he played the good teammate but, there. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I mean, I don't think you want to put Blaney in the mix at Phoenix with the championship on the line. You could have sort of two straight out of nowhere team Penske champions with different guys. So, um, this is, a, this is a threat that the field needs to consider. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. The things are moving on my scoring monitor as we speak. Speaking of distractions, <laughs> I think they're adding stage points and things like that to people. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you know if I can figure out what changed, but it, things are popping uh, all around. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've, I feel like I've picked Ryan Blaney to make the championship four. I know I have picked them to make the championship four on multiple occasions. And it's always, you look at the schedule, you look at the tracks where he's good at. It seems like the playoffs set up really, really well for this team. And there's always been a stumbling block. 
And you go back a week ago at Texas, they didn't have a lot of speed in the race car at Texas, but they did a really good job of managing that race and they put themselves in the position to run in the top 10. And then they took themselves, he took themselves out of contention with that late pit road speeding penalty and they could never get that back. And if he has the ability, this team has the ability. The, the key thing for them though, is avoiding mistakes. And that's what they have to do. And, you know, if they can go and run top five at Homestead in Vegas, two tracks where they, they should be opportunity tracks, there's no reason you can't go to Martinsville and, and, and run well there and close it out. You don't even need to win necessarily. You just have to finish well. That, and that's a big ask, obviously, and it's easier said than done. But this team is capable of it. But for years, though, they have not been able to get over that hump. And it's the clock feels like it's ticking to some degree. Like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Last year, everything set up perfectly for them. They, they almost won at Vegas. They almost went at Homestead. And they squandered great finishes there. And then by the time they got to Martinsville, it didn't matter. And so, you know, we'll see how this goes. Maybe this is a better role for them where they're kind of having to, you know, kind of be a little bit of an underdog a little bit instead of the other way around where the expectations are, are on them. And we'll see. But it's it's interesting to see where Blaney's at in his career and, and looking at this and saying why he's accomplished a lot. He's won a lot of big races, but it just feels like, He's still missing that last bit. Well, I it would certainly be sort of a feel like an out of nowhere run, but it's very possible. Um, again, yeah. Logano's laid the blueprint. Go win Vegas, you know, and uh, they'll get extra sim time as Byron has been doing. Uh, Vegas is going to be pretty big race a couple weeks here to see um, if somebody can get through. But in the meantime, the Roval's ahead, and let's look at the points. Um, so. Again, this this could change a little bit, but um, as of, as of now, it uh, looks like Denny Hamlin is fifty to the good. You know, he was uh, trapped a lap down, another speeding penalty um, for him, and and look didn't look good for a while there. And, and I was having flashbacks to some of these Talladega races where, gosh, I mean, there was that one Talladega race years ago where Denny was like, "I'm going to play it safe," and then I think he lost the draft or something. Um, didn't that happen? And and he had a it, it sort of was a big setback for him. 2016, uh, he was ran in the back for most of that. There's a couple of them. Like 2016, he ran in the back and he finished like 30. He had like scramble late at the end. And he, he, I think he beat Austin Dillon on a tiebreaker is what it ended up coming down to. So ultimately he gets back on the lead lap and drives all the way back up to fourth to completely yeah. salvage his day. So now um, he's pretty much guaranteed to make it through at the Roval. And it just, feels like things keep going his way. Um, you know, as, as, as good as things keep seem to go, uh, for him, it's sort of like the opposite for Truex, right? It's like the, the tale of two teams, but although Truex is still okay, we'll get to that in a minute. Christopher Bell's the next one in points, although quite a significant gap down from, uh, from Hamlin. Mm -hmm. Um, as of now, it looks like Bell is what, uh, 20, He's 22 points to the good, according to this. So um, how do you feel about, you know, Bell gets a piece of that wreck early with Chastain, and it looks like, oh, geez, this this could be bad for him. But now going to the Roval, um, you know, he obviously win there, but he can certainly run well there. Um, I'd, I'd, if I was Christopher Bell, I'd be like, great. I mean, 20-something yeah. points going to the Roval? I feel pretty good about that. I think he's in he's in a good spot, and this is a team that you don't feel like they're clicking to the level that they could be at. But like his teammate Martin Truex Jr., despite the setbacks, despite all of the issues, they're still in a good points position going into a racetrack where they won it a year ago, and they should be competitive at. You have to feel really, really good if you're Christopher Bell right here, and. This is a team that I actually think benefits because of the stage breaks next week, because now they know like, Hey, we don't need to chase. You can set up your strategy in advance, right? And say, Hey, we're going to go for the win. We're going to go for points. We don't need to go for the win. Yeah. It'd be great to win. And maybe we have a car to do that, but we're going to go for the points. And that's what matters for us today. And because of the stage breaks and everything, you know, that you can kind of, you can kind of position yourself to do that. Yeah. Remember we talked about this a couple of times, but William Byron had pointed out a couple of weeks ago, 
that he feels like it's going to be impossible for somebody to go, you know, now with the stage breaks coming back at at the road courses, it's going to be impossible for somebody to go and get the stage points and race for the win. So even Tyler Reddick was saying, um, on NBC after the race, like, Hey, um, you know, we feel like we're in a position where we're going to go for stage points. Um, and then we'll just race it out and see what we can do. But, you know, if we can go win both stages and get 20 stage points, we're, we're probably going to be okay. Cause he's Reddick is down by two right now to the cut line. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Reddick's not the only one that wants to do that. Cause bell, that's a perfect strategy for bell. Like you said. Mm-hmm. So, um, now it gets a little bit further down. Uh, Chris Busher, who, you know, he seemed to have a really disappointing day because they had a way faster car than to finish 20th with that. Um, or but in general, I mean, yeah, I'd throw, I'd throw Keselowski in there too. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, just, I mean, Keselowski, you know, all right, let's, let's talk about the Keselowski incident, I guess. Cause where, what do you make of that there? Can I throw a by the way, Corey LaJoy finished stage one, stage 11th in stage one. how did you know that? Cause I looked it up. How, how did you look it up? I looked at the replay of the, of the, the crash at end of stage one. Oh, okay. So it didn't affect the playoff standings. Did not affect the playoffs. The next guy, highest in points, was like 14th. So I'm very resourceful, Jeff. You never give me enough credit. I'm telling you. Oh, kudos to you. Shout out to you. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, the, the Keselowski thing. Um, yeah. So he's pushing Carson Hosevar through the trioval. Uh, you know, TV said it was pretty aggressive. Hosevar says, hey, look, I was doing that in the truck race yesterday to people. You kind of have to do that. You have to, and Kozlowski's, I mean, look, he's, he's won a, b- a bunch of super speedway races. So who are you to really question that? And his um, MO has always been to be aggressive in these races. I mean, always. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you blame him there? Like, could he have used more patience? You know, Hosevar is not experienced taking those pushes. Is that part of the problem? I mean, was it just a racing deal? How do you, how do you see that whole thing? I mean, I feel I don't feel qualified to criticize Brad Keselowski for how you race on a super speedway. Um, but in that instance, when you have a really fast race car and you kind of look at where you're at, um, I don't know if pushing a guy who's got, what, five, a handful of starts in these cars, and I believe this is his first on a super speedway, um, I, I probably would have just picked my spot a little bit better there and just said, you know what? This isn't the moment. We got plenty of time. We don't need to panic. And it's not like this was a race where you couldn't, you couldn't, you could come from the back to the front. Now you couldn't make like the big charge and you kind of had to piecemeal your way up there, but you could do it. And it just seems like patience would have been a better exercise there when you've got a winning race car, you know, you're fast. Like don't put yourself in a position where you're going to put a guy who's got very little experience and you're asking him to kind of, you know, hang on to it in a pack like that coming through the trial bowl. That's a big ask, man. I'm, I'm pretty torn on this one. I'll be honest. I got a text from a, a hardcore Kozlowski fan right after that happened saying, you know, pretty much he was saying he could see that happening. He was like, no, no, don't push the 42. Like he doesn't have enough experience. It's going to not end well. But at the same time, like, I mean, you could say, well, Kozlowski's aggressive, but like it's it's worked for him in the past. Yeah, yeah, he's wrecked. Sure, I mean, cer- certainly they've wrecked. He's wrecked cars. He's wrecked the field. Um, but mm-hmm. many of them have being up front in that situation. And the fact is, he has a track record record of success. It's the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it's starting to get late in the race. Yeah, there was going to be one more pit stop. But I don't know. I'm kind of having a hard time being like, oh, that was really that was a bad move or that. I mean. It's- it's hard to, it's hard. I, I find it really hard to criticize somebody because I, in that situation, because he is so good in these races and he is good because he is aggressive. Like that's part of it. So to ask him to scale back is, is taking something away that, that makes, that is frankly the difference maker for him. I did see a tweet from uh, one of my Twitter followers, David Deering. Um, and I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but basically he's basically said, so how come like the media, let doesn't say anything about Kozlowski causing these incidents. But if it was Chastain doing that, people would be all over him with a microscope. Why does he get a free pass? To, to me, my answer was just sort of like, I, I didn't, I didn't answer it, but I'm answering now to me. My view would be, well, Kozlowski has, has the track record of success. He's won so many times. He's won so many Talladega races. 
you know, it's, it's easier to be like, well, I mean, he's going for, he, he knows what he's doing. It works. Um, yeah. And, and so I think when you see somebody like that, that is sort of a super speedway master, I mean, it's not like he wanted to wreck, <laughs> you know? Um, and I will say there was time in Keselowski's career when he, in 2014 in Talladega in the spring race, he caused a big pileup in turn one because he was over aggressive. And I'll never forget Matt Kenseth was in the garage because he was collected in that and he was pissed off, you know, because Brad was like multiple laps down or something at that time too and came back. So, I mean, there has been criticism at times of Brad, um, but I, in, I don't, you know, he, I don't feel like he causes all these wrecks. I don't think, I think there's a misperception that he causes a lot of wrecks. Like, you know, he's been caught in a lot of wrecks, but I don't necessarily feel like a lot of them are his fault. Um, so, He's plus two on the cut line. Um, it's pretty good to uh, come to Talladega and get wrecked and uh, leave above the cut line when you didn't have a lot of playoff points. But um, that is sort of, except for Kyle Busch, who, uh, you know, he was in decent position pushing Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, Stenhouse runs out of fuel and, um, Bush kind of hits the wall and then it seemed like later in the race, his repairs were coming loose or something like that. Ultimately he ends up finishing 26. He's finished on the lead lap, but a lot of the other playoff drivers were a lot higher and he was already in a bad position after Texas. So he's the one guy now where he's really far down, uh, minus 26, I think. So, I would think he's in my, you know, I, I get that he could probably get some points back with the stages, but I, I would think he's, them. he's got to go win that race. I would almost forget stage points if I were them and just go straight up for the win and let the other playoff drivers get, try to get stage points and just say, Hey, we've, we're, we have to go win. And especially because everybody's kind of condensed, like the three guys that are the four guy of the four guys that are outside of the, the cutoff right now. The other three are in relatively they're 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 in a position to strike points wise like it's nine points, and you're you're gonna have to hop those guys as well. So I, I do think you're right when you say you're gonna have to do the opposite. If everybody else is gonna go conservative and play for the stage points game, you have to be aggressive and go for the win. You have to take track position when you can get it. You've got to fight to hold it. Don't worry about trying to get ten points for the stage one, ten points for stage two, and then try to climb out of this. Just go for the win because not only are you going to have to get stage points, you're going to have to hop four other guys as well. That's that's not easy to do. That's the challenge there. Uh, maybe maybe if if something happens early in stage one where you know some of the playoff guys have issues, you can adjust on the fly. But I think going in there with the attitude, we just got to win. We don't got to worry about you know track this or anything like that. We are always going to go with the strategy call that's going to put us in the best position to get a win and forget points. And I do just want to double back because we, we jumped into Keselowski real quick. But when, it, when we started talking about Busher, he is plus 19. So, and again, great road, road course racer. So I, I feel pretty good about Busher being able to advance if they just have a clean day. I, obviously, look, we we can't predict the crazy things that happen in these races. But if, if things are going to play out straight in any sort of straightforward manner, you would think Busher could get his way through um, being plus 19 going to the Roval. I'm sure that... They feel okay about that despite not having a great day. So um, the next one, again, we touched on this a little bit. Martin Truex Jr. He is plus 17. Um, but, I mean, gosh, for a guy that's gone, what, six straight races now with no top 15 finishes, no top 15s in the playoffs, as you, uh, a couple others noted today on, on Twitter, uh, it, it would have been pretty – shocking before the playoffs. If you said the first lap led by the regular season champion, Martin Truex jr. In the, in the playoffs will be at Talladega. Um, yeah. Uh, so still though, I mean, despite all that, it just shows you again, that playoff points matter because he's plus 17 going to the Roval, a great road course racer. And I mean, you, you, you would hate to say, well, they should be able to take care of business based on how their playoffs have gone. But also, they should be able well, to take care of business. Playoffs have gone. You also think the wheels could fall off like on the pace lap and yeah. he's like stranded like a beach whale. Like, I mean, his car won't you, fire. Yeah. His car won't it implodes. It's going to do like a Derek Cope. It's just going to grenade. Boop. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
it's just it's remarkable like how this team is done. Like today they ran well, they did good. I mean, they just super speedway racing and things got shuffled there. The Toyotas really didn't do a great job today of kind of getting hooked up and working together, maybe to the level that they wanted to, it felt like. And they didn't have the numbers too, which is a big thing. And that was the big emphasis after the race was we just, you know, we, we don't, we've got six cars out here, you know, and it's, it's really hard when you're going against Ford and Chevrolet and there's so many to pick from. Um, It's just, you would think he'd be fine in the, at the Roval. Um, but, you know, the other thing is too, is you got to be mindful of, you know, who's behind you. If you get a surprise winner, those kind of things. And this team has still not had a top 10 finish in the playoffs and we're, not five even a top races, 15. Not even a top 15. We're five races in this thing. And it's like on some like some of his absolute best tracks. Like you throw out Talladega and Bristol, that's fine. But Darlington, Kansas, and Texas are three of his absolute better tracks. And it's just gone that way. So I think they're fine. But I also would, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the worst, the worst case thing happens to him. But Man, winning the regular season and winning races during the regular season, you, you, this is again, highlight it, put it in bold, twenty font, underline it three times. This is how important the regular season is, and why what you do during the regular season can greatly impact your chances to win a championship come playoffs. And again, thank goodness for that. I love this that part of this format. I'm thankful for this part of this format because. I don't want to just see this regular season mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should get a buy um, or anything right. like that, but um, you know, they should at least have something to help them out. Mm-hmm. So there should be some reward. Yes. And and that's what he has. It's not a guarantee. I mean, but it's enough to uh, mm-hmm. at least tread water. If you don't screw up too badly in the first couple rounds, they're certainly um, pushing the, yeah, the, no, they're, they're really testing every bit of that. <laughs> How much can we get away with and still advance? Like, I, it will be comical if they go to the Roval and they finish like 16th and they still move on and they will not have a top 10 finish in the first two rounds and they're still moving on. It's like, yeah. I, I, I hear you. Well, below Truex is Kyle Larson. Um, it, you know, despite all the talk about, oh, Kyle Larson cannot finish at a super speedway, he was almost going to today. Uh, and then he gets taken out going across the finish line when um, that big wreck and ends up 16th. I don't know. I mean, that probably cost him at least five spots, I would think. I mean, he was still kind of at speed and sliding, but he got passed there by some cars at, at the end by getting turned. So, you know, I'm sure he's a little bit frustrated about that, but. Still plus fifteen going to the Roval. It's he controls his destiny, right? Like a lot of speed too. A lot of speed in the race car. Been really good in a road course this year. Like you, I think you have to feel really good if you're Kyle Larson. You got through. You had the issue at Texas, which sucked. You come here, you just survived. You got through. Yeah, it could have been better, but sure as hell could have been a lot worse too. Um, and you got through, and now you're going to a racetrack where you can kind of control your fate a little bit more. You keep the wheels on the car. You finish top fifteen. You get some stage points. You you should theoretically be okay. Um, and you got enough of a gap there, a little bit between yourself and Brad Keselowski, where you know if if you do get a surprise winner, um, theoretically Brad would be the guy that would get jumped, not you. And by the way, I've, I'm sure I've messed this up with a couple other people too, but with Harvick moving down, Larson actually fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he will be getting, they haven't adjusted it yet at what I'm looking at. So point. that's another point for him, but of course it's another point for everybody else as well. So, um, so yeah, so now let's, so let's talk about the cutoff because I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on who can sort of overcome the deficit that they're at. So you've got Keselowski plus two. So we've talked about everybody seventh and above Keselowski's on the bubble. He's plus two Reddick's minus two. Um, then you've got Wallace and Chastain, despite Chastain with his wreck, um, early and and you're like, wow, you know, this is disaster. One point last place finish. Um, everybody else still running. Um, he's, uh, well now they changed it. I don't know. Anyway, he's either nine or 10 back depending on what version of this you're looking at. 
So who, who of those three, Reddick, Wallace, Chastain, who do you see of them getting back in and who remains below and is eliminated? Reddick was extremely confident on pit road after the race that he was going to move on and about his chances at Roval. And I think he's right. I think if you look at it, we know Bubba Wallace's road courses are still not the best part of his game. He's done a good job of managing it this year, Watkins Glen and Indy specifically. But Reddick is a better road course racer, period. And he has an opportunity to go there and he could sweep both stages easily, you know? He could win that race easily. I mean, I, it's, it's, he's one of those guys like on the short list of favorites. He's top five, one of the top five favorites to win there. Um, so I like him a lot. Chastain's been good on road courses before, but that team is just so-so. But of those three guys, like Reddick has to be the choice. I don't think there's anyone else you could make even a, a, a case for against Reddick. Reddick is so good on road courses and so attuned, and that team is is good it's hard not to think that they're going to find a way whether winning that race or getting in on points. So here's, here's the dilemma, right? Because who are we comparing against? Are, are we thinking that? And he's better than Brad too, really quick. I want to point that out too. He's better on road courses than Brad Keselowski. It's only two points that can't, that has to be stated as well. Well, yeah. And that, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. Right. Because it's like, are you saying that one of these people is going to pass Keselowski? So you're like, okay, Reddick Keselowski head to head. Well, sure. I'd take Reddick. Um, Chastain Kozlowski head to head with 10 points. You know, I think I could make a case for Chastain. I'm not confident about Bubba, you know, beating Kozlowski by nine points or whatever it is that he's behind. But I guess it just depends then, you know, if does a Busher have problems as a Truex or a Larson have problems? If all those guys do what they need to do and it's only Kozlowski in that last spot and it's like, okay, it just comes down to Kozlowski versus Reddick versus Wallace versus Chastain. Yeah, I think you'd have to give the nod to Reddick, um, just being that he might be the best road courser in the road, road course racer in the game at the moment. So um, yeah, I think it's it's tough. Uh, it, unfortunately for Bubba Wallace today, you know when you score no stage points and you end up finishing twenty third or twenty fourth, whatever it is, I'm confusing myself with this moving lineup. But um, it's just not it's just it's just not going to be enough. You know, it's just uh, that. that to, for him to go to Talladega, this this was Bubba's chance, sort of, right? To be like, yeah, yeah we're gonna go get stage points. We're gonna we're gonna have a solid finish. We're gonna pile up some points and then go in to the Roval above the cut line to where we just have to run solid and not overcome something like we had to do at Bristol. Now it's I don't like the situation for him at all. No, and that was what the team and he was kind of lamenting after the race was. This was an opportunity to what you said, like we come, we can win stages here. We can get a bunch of stage points. We can win a race. You know, you don't even have to win the race. You finish well in the stages and you finish third of the race overall. You're leaving here feeling really good about yourself going into a track where you don't know what to expect. They didn't do that today. And they were kind of, they just didn't feel like they were clicking, um, you know, the things, the way kind of things shook out. They weren't playing, they weren't attacking. They were more on defense. They didn't have track position. They got in the back and it didn't really play out like a typical super speedway race for Bubba where he is really, really good at running up front throughout, putting himself in position, controlling the draft and kind of managing the race and being there at the end. And that, that just wasn't the case. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, Riley Herbst, um, 
great run for him. I, I didn't think sure. that, you know, when he was up there, he qualifies well, you know, you're like, okay, well, that's nice, but he's going <laughs> to, he's yeah. going to get shuffled back or something's going to happen. I mean, he did everything right up until the, the very end there. And I don't even know if that was his fault or, if, or that was Corey LaJoy's fault, but, um, you know, I, I was very, very impressed with him. He ends up giving Blaney, you know, sort of the winning push. Blaney made that great move on the backstretch. Oh my goodness, the back, that, that doesn't get talked enough, but uh, yeah. no, real quick, uh, before we go, real quick, uh, Brad Keselowski, five road courses this year, finishes a 35th, 16th, 20th, 15th, and 24th. Hmm. That's, that's not going to get it done at the roll, I don't think. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's well, this one. I mean, at least you got a really good road course racing teammate that can give you the same hopefully. setup and hopefully, you know, run with, but now, yeah, so talk about that move though. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was, that was, that was um, incredible. He even that said that his great. spotter didn't clear him yet. No, um, he, he just saw it. And, yeah, that was <laughs> the air when I didn't, I don't really think I saw that at the time, but when I went back oh, and man. saw it on the replay, it was like, Oh wow. What a move. Oh, I saw it great. in real time. And I was like, Oh, because I mean, and he kind of got a little wiggly there too. And you're like, Oh, and he went and I asked him, about, I asked him about it after the race. And he like, it's like, that was my shot. That was the shot. Like if I was going to win this race, that was my only opportunity to get, to get in the lead. He didn't really think he could go on the outside of Harvard going into three and the way things were going to be squeezed. And he makes that move. Like he saw the hole, he went and he already had like basically done the move by the time it happened. So instantaneous, his spotter wasn't even able to clear him until after the fact. And it was like, it's crazy. And then what I think, which is kind of an addition to this. And I didn't think about it in the moment. He, he explained it to me. He explained it afterwards, which was he got, he makes that move to get to the inside and gets in front of Byron and he's got momentum then, but he smartly kind of slows down a little bit kind of, you know, kind of drags the brake to keep Byron back where Byron's kind of stuck next to Harvick because if they would have kept going, Byron would have likely have cleared Harvick who was on his outside. And then that opens up Byron to be on the attack where he could either maybe gone high or low on Blaney and passed him. I thought that was a really smart move, especially in the moment because all of this is unfolding so quick from off of turn two into turn three and to make that move, which was takes a lot of stones and because if that goes wrong, that goes wrong in the worst way. And then to do that and then to have the presence of mind to say, I need to make sure the 24 is kind of basically boxed in. And because I'm, if I'm going to lose this race, Harvick's going to have to beat me on the outside. I thought that was that that shows you why Ryan Blaney is such a astute uh, super speedway racer. And he is so good and he wins these races so often. Look, there's only there's only a few guys that really know how to do this stuff, right? Like, because it's one thing to run well and even get top fives, top tens at super speedway races, but to win super speedway races, you have to have that sort of next level thinking, you know, like, like Denny did at the Daytona 500, you know, a few years ago where he, he lets the guys go by him. He backs up. 2020. Yeah. Like you have to be able to, and, but you can't, you're not going to understand how to do that stuff unless you've been in those situations over and over again. Right. Stunning too. And it's stunning too. It's not, just, it's, it's like knowing like the Denny Hamlin thing, like I, you know, they went back and they looked at tape going into that race and they knew like, this is how it's going to play out. So when that all happened and Denny got passed by Ryan Blaney and Ryan Newman, he didn't panic. He knew because he had been in that situation before and because they had studied all the tape, he and his spotter, Chris Lambert, they knew, like, I'm going to have a shot. My race isn't over. Like, I'm going to have another shot at this, but I got to manage it right. So, yes, it's, it's, I don't think these guys get enough credit because this really is high speed chess. And I, and I, I, I really, I, I get annoyed when people say, oh, it's random, it's luck. And I'm not, you know, there's elements of that. But the same guys win these races and continually run well in these races, that's not a fluke. Well, there, there are ways, like, I mean, when Chastain won, at Talladega and it just, he just kind of kept his line and it just kind of opened up because the guys made the wrong move, sure. you know, but, but to yeah. put yourself in the position for the winning move, um, like when, when you have those guys up there with you, like Blaney was, was doing today, um, you know, that's, that's next level. And really, I, again, I would say, 
you know, like Blaney, Kozlowski, Denny, um, Bubba. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bubba. Logano. Logano for sure. Byron yeah. is really good. In Byron. Byron is the guy, the, the, you know, but there's less than less than 10 guys who yeah. I, I think would know how to execute in that situation. Personally, I could be wrong, but, um, all right. Anybody else, uh, you know, Corey LaJoy gets that fifth place finish. He was going to have a good run, even uh, regardless of the incident yeah. there at the end, Ricky, Bobby, Ryan priest. I loved that whole thing, by the way, he finishes. Did? Why? Oh, you didn't like the whole Talladega nights thing. I'm just kind of over it. And like, really? It's, it's oh my God. Gone, kind of like, it's just... not like this with the actual wonder bread car and the old spice car. And just, I... you didn't like that. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love Talladega like, nights though. I have a huge it's soft the movie's spot. Fine. The movie's fine. I had a, had a good date. So I was second date with somebody. It was fine. Um, yeah, Did I ever I tell you about going to the it. premiere party of that? That was so sick. That was no, one of the best things my entire no, I don't want to do it right now. No, but come like, on. People want to hear this. No, it was just it was just amazing. Like it was we have, what? come on. They don't want to listen, they can fast forward. No, it's like I got to go to I was working in California at the time. we got invited to go to the premiere. Um, like, you know, we, we got to first we got to interview the people on the red carpet, and then we got to go into the Chinese theater on Hollywood Boulevard and all that stuff, watch the premiere, and then like the whole, all of Hollywood Boulevard was like blocked off, right? And there's fans on either side. And we exit the theater and there people are screaming and they're, you know, they're looking at us being like, who the hell is that? Are those guys. But we, they had blocked off this entire parking lot nearby and transformed it into this huge outdoor party. And they had massive, massive like movie screen, big screens playing Talladega races, like a, a full Talladega race. And all these, like, I mean, there was just celebrities, celebrities, celebrity everywhere. Like, um, I think I've told you this before. I was yeah. at the, um, I was at the bar getting a drink and there was like two bartenders and, um, I turned up there's, there's me and another guy were like getting drinks and I kind of like look over at this guy and he has like, I see he has like some American flag baseball cap on. I'm like, wait, that guy looks familiar. I look again. Oh, it's Bruce Willis. Just standing next to Bruce Willis, getting a drink. I mean, the the Williams sisters were there. Sasha Baron Cohen was there, like right when Borat was coming out. Um, well, he, was just, the, he was in Talladega Nights. I'd hope he'd be at the premiere. Well, yeah, but um, he wasn't. The, the the whole Borat craze was, you know, just about to go nuts. Um, you know, it was just like it was crazy. Like I just, I was like, man, I cannot believe this. Um, it, it was so cool. So I've always like had this, and you know, of course, that was the, at the height of. NASCAR's popularity too. So it was, sure. I, I don't get the people that don't like Talladega nights as a movie or like, oh, this is bad for, you know, it makes, makes fun of us and stuff. I mean, it's a compliment to be roasted like that. And there's, by the way, there's a lot of truth in that movie too. So <laughs> there's a lot of truth. It's, it's a good movie. It's a, it's a good welfare movie. It's not his best by far, but it's oh definitely, gosh, it was, I, I love Talladega nights. It's anyway, a very good movie. I, I but, was, yeah. I think it was pretty cool that the whole thing they did um, to get the sponsors to, the, like the actual sponsors, not just like the throwback schemes that we see at Darlington where it's like, Oh yeah, I can kind of, it's supposed to look like that. Like, no, they went and got the actual sponsors. That's awesome. Anyway, I went on a huge, uh, sidetrack here, but tangent. It's fine. I'm, um, good. I'm good with it now. We can put it to bed for another 20 years. Okay. Um, anyway, so, uh, do you want to talk about the good race poll first or do you want to talk about the, uh, Matt Crafton, Nick Sanchez incident? Uh... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I would say we save the poll for the end, but I can go either way. So. All right, let's talk about this sucker punch or whatever that wasn't. He should be suspended. Matt Crafton? Multiple races, yeah. At least at least one race, if not two. Because? You can't sucker punch. You can't, Just in general, like, I think I talked to Bob Hawkers about this, and he's right. Like, I, And I share the same opinion, so I don't want to think I'm, like, stealing his opinion on this, but he's right, like, 
this wasn't like right after the race. It wasn't like emotions were riding high. You know, there was 30 minutes or so after the race was over. I'm not going to say he sucker punched him. I wasn't there. Matt says he didn't. Nick says he did. Whatever. But 30 minutes after the race, like, it, it, that's 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 a no-go. Like, you want to get physical, whatever, and then punch him in the face. I don't know. I, I just I don't like it. I think it's a bad look. I, I do think that it's worth a suspension. You know, first of all, I, I, I'm not so sure that um, it wasn't Crafton's fault in that deal, even though. Well, that's the other thing. The, that's the, the other thing about this, too. Like, there's enough blame to go. Like, the team was saying on the radio to Sanchez, hey, we don't need any enemies if we make the Final Four. Like, chill out. Um, but that wasn't that different than many other incidents we've seen at super speedways. I mean, it's again, super speedway racing, you might be over aggressive, but you're not trying to destroy the field or wreck somebody. If, if you think Sanchez made a mistake, then, you know, go talk to him about it. But I mean, I guess Crafton saying, well, he threatened me, which he threatened just him at the end. <laughs> seeing the aftermath saying, I'm going to effing kill you and all this stuff. And Multiple I'm going to kill you. By the way. Yeah. Like, okay. You could see where, Oh, well that maybe he did threaten him. Like, so, you know, if, if, if Crafton is tapping him on the shoulder and you know, he's like, I'm going to effing kill you like right away. And you know, maybe, you know, emotions are hot. You, and how many times we say, Hey, you're going to get punched in the face. Here's the thing though. Like, and again, I know that, you know, Crafton says they're all men out there and stuff, but Matt Crafton's 47 years old. Nick yeah. Sanchez is 22 years old. I mean, yeah, I guess he's not a kid, but like. But here's here's my here's my problem with this. Okay. This is a largely it's supposed to be a developmental series. This is a third tier series where young kids like Nick Sanchez, who you know, you go and develop. And we're talking about a 47-year-old driver, a career truck series driver, who is upset with this rookie driver. Well, this is what the truck series is kind of about. Like, this is where guys go and they learn how to, they make dumb mistakes and you learn from it. And I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't be held accountable. You should. But, like, you, you also have to have a, a sense of, I'm racing with a bunch of kids who haven't done this before, who haven't necessarily raced a lot of times on super speedways. And if I'm going to race in this series with a bunch of inexperienced drivers who maybe don't have the lot, you know, who are still figuring this out, I'm probably going to get caught up in some things sometimes because that's just a byproduct of it. I don't, I don't know about being suspended for multiple races. Um, I don't even you know about you should be suspended. Um, I'm on the fence because in other situations with punches, we haven't seen a suspension. No, but they've all been instantaneous. Like, if you go back to last one, I think we saw, was was it Chastain and Gregson? Yeah, that's probably the I most think, recent. Yeah. yeah, That's the one that comes to mind. So that happened, again, immediately after the race. Emotions are high. Guys get out of the race car. Like, I'm, you know, I get that. I, I 100% get that. This wasn't that but, long but after the race. This was 30 minutes. I mean, like, again, I mean, if, if they go to talk, say, and like, if, if, if Crafton's... He changed out of his clothes and like waited for him. If Crafton's, like, you know, he wanted to go talk to him or something, right? You know, like, and say, what the hell was that? And, but then if, again, if, if, if his version's true and Sanchez turns around and is like, I'm going to, I mean, okay. Like, you know, I don't know. You're kind of getting asked to get punched in the face in some ways. Right now, again, it's, it's not great, but given that I haven't seen, I mean, did Austin Hill, for his punch, he didn't get suspended. No, I punched him in the chest again right after the race, though. Um, Marcus Ambrose, Casey Mears, no suspension. That was what 2014 Richmond? Richmond. Oh, yeah. I don't know how late that was after the that race. might have been. Yeah. He got, a he got fine in points. He, yeah, I was gonna say he got he got he got penalized something though. Yeah, but not a suspension. And that was know, in the this, garage. This, this feels. This I feels think. Suspicious. I think. Uh, a suspension is not consistent. I'm looking for consistency. Therefore, I would think maybe points and a fine are in order. But I think that if you suspend, it's sort of a, I don't know. It's just a different situation where we haven't really seen that. So I don't really, I guess I would like to know what would be different about this. So I'm not saying it's a good look, but that that's where I come down on it. Just because if, if it's a blank slate, and I'm like starting over and I would say, oh yeah, 
if you punch somebody, maybe you get suspended for a week. But since there's been other punches and they haven't gotten suspended, that's where I'm like, ah, does that make sense to you? I get it. You're talking about precedent and there's something to be said for that. But like, again, when look at the timeline to me, it's, it's duration. I'm willing to excuse heat of the moment. It's like, you know, it's like a football game. If you fight on the field at a football game or hockey, I get it. But if you go into the locker room 30 minutes after you go into the locker room and someone else's locker room 30 minutes afterwards, looking for a fight or confrontation, like at some point you got to draw a line in the sand and you got to say like, you know, this is it. Now you want to confront them, confront them on pit road or confront, you know, find them, you know, right after the race is over. Like it's just the duration to me, there was enough time for this to kind of let cooler heads prevail. But I agree with you though. Like, we kind of heard, we've heard emphatically what Nick said about this and we haven't, and we know what Matt said, but we, we, we need to see there, there, I need to know the full story and I don't know that yet. Um, but what if they fought at the airport? That's, you can fight at the airport. You're not a NASCAR track. That's well, you're, fine. Wait a minute. Now you're saying, Oh no, don't fight way after. Don't fight way after no, in the locker room considerably after it's not, Heat of the moment. Now you're saying you can fight at the airport, but you can't fight okay, at the no, racetrack. No, hang on. no, and I'm a league more than likely would not interfere with two players getting into a scuffle at an airport or something like that. I'm 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 seeing some holes in your logic here. You There's either no can, you're either logic, saying like, you can fight afterwards in the heat of the moment, but I mean, I don't if think it goes you should to, fight at an airport. You're asking if they should fight the airport. No, you shouldn't fight the airport. Well, people but, have fought at the airport. Sure, they have, and that's fine. But when you are you do this on a NASCAR track, at a NASCAR track, you open yourself up. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I would I guess I'm leaning toward no suspension, but a penalty. That's where you know I I, I respect anything, I respect though, like, he, what well, like what is is Matt Crafton gonna uh, not do that again if he gets suspended so, for a week? Here's a question for you. He punches Sanchez and then he broke his Sanchez nose. Okay. Apparently. So if Sanchez is hurt to the point like he and he's in the playoffs, by the way, and he can't race next week or two weeks at the homestead because of the injury, like that, are you okay with that then? Like, oh, that's sorry. No, but I mean also, um if you if a driver wants to talk to you and you get in his face and you say, I'm gonna kill you or whatever you said. But here's the th- here's the other thing for you. If if Sanchez's version of the story is is correct, where Crafton comes up to him, basically confronts him, okay, and and punch and punches him right away. If if Sanchez's version of the story is correct, how do you feel? Does that change your yes. thinking on this? Okay. Yes. Okay. If Sanchez's version is correct and the put the one the version that Crafton put out on Twitter is a lie or made up, and he just sincerely went and went tap tap and he turned around and went bam with no conversation at all that's not good that's probably a suspension yes okay so yeah i guess that's uh we'll see what nascar decides here well speaking uh, of yeah uh speaking of deciding it's time to decide on the was it a good race poll you were the winner last week thanks to me i got lucky Jeez, my goodness. That's fine though. That's, so that's lucky. why we, that's why we do the thing where somebody guesses first and uh-huh. the other person plays off that. That's, you know, that's our version of, um, sort of resetting the points a little bit to make sure it's not a total blowout. We want to keep this close and entertaining. So the score is three to two. Um, I'm up three to two and you get to go first. So you can bet that I'm going to be very curious to hear your guess so that I can base that off mine because i have a number in my head but i don't want to i'm glad i'm not going first because i'm really going to play off yours yeah i actually kind of feel like i'm glad i'm going first a little bit too i can go either way um can we guess like 0.5 or is it it has to be a flat no you can guess down to the point one for sure 91.5 dang it Shoot, 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 shoot. I was really hoping that you were going to be I thought about 90, mistakenly go going in the 80s on this oh, one. Oh, no. I actually um, think, uh, no. Yeah, this, you just made this really tough for me. I, I, thought, I thought all this time that you were going to be going, you were going to be like, oh, 88 or something. And um, mm, 
that is very unfortunate for me because what did you just say it was 91.5. Okay. Cause Daytona cutoff race, um, in August there was a 91.1. <laughs> and I think this race was better than that race. Uh huh. So yeah, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go higher. Um, I am aware Don't of the tiebreaker. Don't, Don't uh, do it. What? No, just keep going. Well, I, I'm not going to price this right you by the point one because I, I, I also do need to, the tiebreaker if I. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go with the. I'm just going to go with a straight 93 here, and uh, okay. hope for the best. Now, 93 is risky. There's only been nine races in the whole history of the was it a good race poll that uh, have been above 93. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a, on a limb here, but at the same time, like um, I don't really know what the argument against this race was. Why are people voting down this race? Like what, what if you're going to be like, nah, I don't, I don't like that. Why? Like what, what, what would you now? I, again, like, is it the classic, you know, early two thousands or something that people want? You know, I, I think Blaney put it really, really well in his post-race press conference where he talked about like, this is a big fuel savings game now. Um, and that's why he, that was why he was saying it was three wide because people are spending the whole time trying to save fuel and in, in the first stint so they can spend less time on pit road. So it's like, who can save the most fuel while still getting their track position? Then you take, then you're less time on pit road. And so you can jump cars, um, in, in track position. Uh, and, and that's why we saw the three wide, like we did. So it's not like guys can drive, drop to the back and drive their way up through. They're still stuck in some sense, but it's, it certainly looks, you know, passes the eye test. So I just don't, I just really don't know where the no the no votes in a large number would come from. So yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk here. I, I probably should price this right you and just box you in, but as Blaney did to uh, to Byron <laughs> to keep him, make sure he kept him behind him. But I'm I'm going to try to play fair this week. Say well, ninety three. Nice change of pace. Yeah, I'll let you have your your ninety one point whatever you said. What'd you say? Ninety one point five. Ninety one point five. Okay. Well, we'll see. We will see mm -hmm. the Rovals next. Uh, It'll be interesting. I don't, I may be wrong, but I don't, it feels like the point situation, excluding Kyle Busch, who's well out of it. I don't, it feels like it's tighter than it has been in years past. Yeah. I was thinking that earlier, especially when for, actually for a lot of the race before Kyle dropped back, <laughs> um, he was still only 12 points out. And I was like, wow, if yeah. they go to the Roval and like the bottom person is only 12 out, I don't know that we've seen that for this yeah. late in, you know, cause usually there's a couple guys who are way far out. Something bad has happened, especially at Talladega and mm -hmm. you know, their, their playoffs are kind of ruined. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, it seems like it's going to be pretty competitive and, and you know, with the stage points, there'll be a lot of shifting in the points as they run, uh, as it's all happening. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm almost like, more excited for Las Vegas in a way already, because I just think as we saw with the Logano thing last year, winning that race is so important for obviously it locks you in the, to the final four, but just knowing that you can just prepare for that championship for two weeks is such an advantage. I'm so curious to see who's going to show up there. So, um, you know, the Roval's the Roval. I would rather be on the Charlotte Oval as we know, but, um, we'll, we'll see how this goes. A lot of people would. Yeah. Well, not enough apparently. Well, I mean, honestly, the person that matters, I don't know if, uh, if they want it or not, that's the, that's at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, schedule this week, Jeff. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a emergency podcast. I was thinking we should do like a, maybe a subscriber only emergency podcast or something when the schedule comes out, if you want to give our our takes or something before we're around. We so. do that. I don't I mean, I feel like this may be an off air conversation to be honest with you, a little bit. Um, thanks really quick. Uh, yes, I mean, we could, if you want to, I'm fine. Like I always enjoy doing podcasts with you. Um, uh, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about with the schedule. Um, 
I, you know, I don't think, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, let's do it. Why not? If you want to do it, I'm down. Um, and then the other point about winning that first playoff race, uh, don't forget Larson in 2021 also did that as well. Uh, won that first race in round of three and it allowed them to kind of look ahead a little bit and kind of, you know, kind of put their attention on Phoenix. So you're right. Like it is so important to, to get that win. If you can do that and lock yourself in. All right. Well, um, of course, everybody, we appreciate you, uh, for listening. Um, this will be, this should be back up on YouTube. We should have a normal, we've, we've had a couple glitches recently, but this one worked. Well, that, and we had, uh, we had a guest at Bristol. So guest at Bristol. That was great. Um, so yeah, this is back on YouTube. We have this for those listening on the podcast. If you want to watch it, uh, however you want to consume it, we're just happy that you want to listen for whatever reason. I still don't really know why, but we're appreciative either way. So everybody, thanks as always for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the teardown. See everybody.